your egg, egg, egg croissant sandwich. I'm like, all right. I'm going to give it a minute for everyone to get online. watching on live we're just giving people a couple minutes to get get connected and to get going on here we hope everybody is doing well it's cold i i should have turned the heat on some more or something like that because this is freezing cold right now I thought that was me singing. It wasn't me singing, guys. <laughs> we'll keep that playing. Good morning, church, and everybody who's connected. Facebook world, how y'all doing out there? Good morning, good morning. I'm hoping everybody is good. We are just want to remind everyone, if you do not get our weekly email, and we're going to be sending that out on Saturday mornings. We've got it set up to where it automatically sends out from our MailChimp account. Um, drop an email below in the comments if you want to get connected with that. We want to make sure that we get everyone the information and such like that. Um, next week, we will start back with our, our regular worship. We're going to kick it old school. We're going to get the hymnals out. I'm going to get out here. Go ahead, Ethan. Go ahead, play it out. We can get the hymnals out. We're going to have worship next week. But we're going to focus on um, the word for this week going into this. 
And lastly, um, if you're one of our regular undefeated youth kids, we will be starting undefeated youth back in a very small group setting with our regular kids on Wednesdays. So our regular undefeated um, ministry kids, we will be here on Wednesdays with a very small and a limited amount of group of people. So we want to encourage you guys to um, get your kids connected back with us on that. We're um, continuing our uh, series the model of discipleship. We're going through Luke chapters 9 and chapters 10. Um, God gives a very specific understanding and aspect on how we are to live our lives as Christians. I feel as though, and I made a post about this earlier, that um, during COVID, it has really kind of drawn the line in the sand as to who are followers of Christ and who are fans of Jesus Christ. The fan of Jesus Christ follows God. You may attend church. You, you may feel comfortable sitting in the pew. But God is really wanting us to go further and beyond to just say, I'm, I like God. I love what Risen City does. But to actually be a follower and a disciple of God's word in the communities around us and where we live. The church, we've gotten too comfortable with the pervasive sin within our communities. We've gotten too comfortable with sitting in our pew on a Sunday and receiving our tithes and watching everything around us just continue to go down in chaos while we build inwardly the church of God and we believe that's the standard by which God wants us to live. I live on the west side of Charleston. I live on the corner of Park Avenue and Grant. Y'all probably see my photos all day long of my kids playing outside. At any point in time, there's 10 to 15 to 20 kids outside. I, I, may, I mess with my kids because they'll all be on the front porch. I'm like, where are your mask at? It's, it's not unreasonable to look out my door and to see a kid laying down on my bench just waiting for me to come outside or waiting for KK to come outside or wait to get a bottle of water or wait to get something to eat. I love my community. And my community right now is being plagued by pervasive violence. And in the midst of all this pervasive violence and such like that, I've had to ask myself, where is the church at in the midst of all this? I've had the, the conviction in my own heart to say, where am I standing as, as a member of Risen City, as a, as a member of the Big C Church? Where am I doing in my commitment? Because many a times when we see the pervasive issues in our community, the first thing we do is we go to governmental officials. We, we, we go to the police officers and we ask, hey, we say, this is going on in my city. This is the issues that I'm facing. What are you going to do about it? But I believe that God is really saying, hey, listen, I've given you the tools as a disciple to go out into your community and to break down these issues. I believe wholeheartedly that in the teachings that we're going to do in the next couple of weeks in Luke 9 and Luke 10, God gives us a model of discipleship. And that model of discipleship was spiritual to make sure that a man's heart was in alignment and understanding that the kingdom of God has come and he is bringing us spiritually back into right standing with man. But God also sent his disciples out to take care of the physical issues within their communities. And he gives us a perfect model to do so. But I believe it first starts with us as members of the Big C Church, as members of Risen City Church. We have to increase our presence in the community. We have to increase God's presence in our community more so. I was on a call Friday about the crime and, the, and everything that was going on. And one of the biggest things that we were saying is like, well, can we desperately, we were saying, can we please just get extra police presence at Glenwood and Park Avenue and all these areas. He said, that, that's all that we need. We, we feel as though if you increase the presence of police officers, it will then push out some of the violence and the issues and things that were going on. And then I had to stop and I had to pull back for a minute. I said, I'm so focused on increasing the police presence. Why am I not focused on increasing the presence of God in these areas? In the moment in time on Friday, I got one of the worst calls the parent could ever get. And there's been a shooting in broad daylight. This is the second time I've received this call in within a 15 minute span of before or after that KK would be walking to her bus stop to get her lunches or within the 15 minute span that she has come back from the bus stop in the morning. The most gut-wrenching feeling is that there's been a shooting on the west side. It's right by your house. And I call Lauren. Lauren runs outside. She gets Lauren. She gets Kanaya. I fly back down this way because then my mind then goes to all of our undefeated kids who live on this avenue, on this block. And I'm thinking to myself, if, if, if I can just get there, 
In that moment of time, I can help with the situation and make sure things are good. Church, we're in that place right now with our community. Where is the urgency for us to say, if we can just be there, if we can just get there, we can be carriers of the presence of God in our communities and places of darkness that desperately need to have a light. But like we mentioned last week, you can't just be a fan of Jesus Christ. We have to be a follower. The fan looks and he says, and he says, hey, listen, that's great stuff that we're doing at our church. And it looks good that we've built this nice building. We've put a new sign outside. We built a new facade. We've got a new camera system. Look at our worship team. I'm a fan. I come and I worship on God. But the true follower and disciple says that I choose to listen to God's word. I choose not just to come to church on a Sunday and to dwell in the presence of God. Because trust me, there are Sundays when I go to church, I said, I need that word of God. I need to hear that worship in that moment in time. But the church has become very complacent with just receiving the presence of God on a Sunday, but never being willing to take it out. It's kind of like when you go to church camp. And you have that moment where you're just crying. You're ugly crying at the altar. Everyone's had that moment. You're just ugly crying at the altar like, God, take away my sin. And you just, you feel everything come off of you. And then the pastor gets up and he says, Abba, Father loves you. And you just lose your mind because you feel the love and the embrace of a father just taking you as you are, receiving you in the midst of the midst of your life and you feel that presence and you're like, I never want to leave this place. That's why when I used to work with kids, the toughest thing for us was to be able to say, how do you transition a camp feeling into a lifestyle? What you felt at that camp, because people just say, I just got to get back to camp. And people will say, I just got to get back to church on Sunday. I just, I got I to gotta get there on Wednesday. I just got to get around the people. What happens when we stop being a fan and we start to become a follower and we start to listen to the word of God and apply it to our lives and then we can take the presence of God with us wherever we go. Jesus gives this model of discipleship. He talks about how we are to be the carriers of his presence of God into our communities around us. In the Old Testament, literally the presence of God would come down and it would engulf the area around where the Israelites were walking with Moses and they would show with them and they would say, I'm not going to go unless I have your presence moving forward. And in the New Testament, Jesus gives us the model as to how we are supposed to go forward and to take his presence empowered by God's Holy Spirit with the message of the gospel and preaching the kingdom of God is near taking care of the physical needs that the community had and also instructing them on how they are to take care of the spiritual needs. It took a group of people being present. It took them leaving the comfort of being around Jesus Christ to be present in the midst of the chaos and the issues and the moments and times where they didn't feel safe. The definition of presence is simply this. It's a group of people just being present established soldiers or police who were stationed in a particular place. And it means it's actually being present in a place or a time or a moment. And I believe that's what God is calling us to do for our communities around us right now. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a campaign. The more I started to pray, the more I started to think, the more I started to, to think of actionable ways that we can really be a part of our community, I really beckoned back to what was the purpose of us doing the Christian Justice Coalition? The whole part of that was just to say that we seek the well-being of those who are um, most depressed and most discriminated against and most, most, um, just, um, most at risk in these moments and times. And I said, it's nice that we, we rallied in the middle of the summer when there was civil unrest, but what happens when you start to look at long-term activism on the day-to-day -day basis? I said this earlier in the week in a post. I said, if my black life matters, then I need to take care of the pervasive issues that are in my community right now that are plaguing those who are most at risk right now. I should have the safety to be able to walk down my street and send my daughter to the bus stop without having to worry about gun violence. I shouldn't have to worry about my child getting snatched up. But this is the reality of what happens outside of the four walls of the church. And we've got to come together in unity to do so. So what we're going to be focusing on as a part of the Christian Justice Coalition and an initiative of Risen City is that we know that there's issues within our city and we are going to make a campaign. It's going to be called the Prayer and the Presence Campaign. We're going to take actionable causes and times to get churches and people who love Jesus Christ to go out in our communities and we're going to pray. 
We're going to go to the places where we see that people feel as though they can be violent. We're going to pray. We're going to take those areas and those places back. It's going to be three main focuses is that we are going to work to increase the gospel message by preaching and teaching the kingdom of God is near to all persons within our community. I think back to John 3, 16 and 17 and 18 and 19, and it talks about how people love the darkness more than they love the light. And I thought to myself, well, who's willing to take the light to them? And I think if you taste and see what the gospel has to offer, then you'll stop in that moment. Some may not, but some are desperately looking right now for some kind of affirmation as to who they are and their true identity in God. But who is willing to go even in the dangerous places to let them know that the kingdom of God is near and that they through repentance can have forgiveness of their sins and that there is a new way for them to live their lives. We can't by sitting comfortably in our pews and saying, oh, look at that bad issue. No, God is calling us out in this model of discipleship. The second thing that we're going to do very intentionally is that we are going to pray for the reduction of violence and peace in our community. We don't pray enough, church. I, I say this to myself all the time because and I, I said this earlier. I said whenever there's a violent issue, I don't stop and I don't pray for that moment and situation in time. My first thought is who do I need to call as a city official? Who do I need to call from a state side to take care of the issue? But I don't put my full trust in God and Jesus Christ who has given me the answers and the power to overtake these situations. Ephesians 6 and 18 is the key verse for mine. It says, pray in the spirit constantly with all supplication for all other believers. What happens when the church actually takes the time to intentionally pray throughout the day and the morning and time for all of the situations around them? I tell people all the time that, hey, they say, what can I do for your church? I say, I need you to intercede for our church. I need you to be actively taking the time to pray and to go before God in your presence in your secret place and to say, these are the issues that they're facing on the west side of Charleston. And I believe that God's Holy Spirit can dwell amongst all people, but it takes us saying that the Holy Spirit has got to work in the heart of those who want to do violence in our city. And it's through prayer, first and foremost, that we're going to receive the wisdom and the guidance on how to do it. Lastly, we're going to do this. We're going to increase unity amongst the churches to support the West Side community's needs. I want to partner with churches. Y'all listen, I, listen, we don't got a big church. We, we ain't worried about the big church because I know that God has provided every single thing that we need here in abundance. My dude Ethan said it before. I was kind of down about things that were going on and he just encouraged me. He said, God has us where we need to be in this city. We're going to have this church. We're not going to be a big mega church. And if we ever get too big, you know what we're going to do? We're going to split it up into a smaller church because I don't believe that that's the model of discipleship that God has had for the church. I don't want to grow in members and pews. I want to grow in discipleship and people who are willing and active to take it out to the community. And sometimes that means I've got to reach other people in other churches. And as long as they affirm that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior and that he died for our sins and they have the same places where we can recognize we can work together, I want to work with unity with other churches to see my city changed. I cannot do this on my own. Nor do I want to do this on my own. The church was never meant to be in a place of isolation where it was thought that that one church could drop into an area and take care of all the issues within the community. No, we're all a part of the body of Christ and God has called us all to fulfill different purposes. And I believe wholeheartedly that God wants to use Risen City as a hub to the west side to be able to bring unity within our church and our community so we can see the issues changed. So what we're going to do is reach out to other churches and say, will you join this initiative that we have? I want to see people on the west side of Charleston come to the church of God. If it means that it's at my dude, Pastor Shin's church down here, if it means in the Pastor Collins church, if it means it's at Pastor Watts' church or Reverend Hill's church, I don't care where it is. I want them to find a place where they can have fellowship with God. And it means that we have to humble ourselves before the Lord. And he will do the work if we are able to walk in unity with each other. These items can be met by us increasing our corporate and individual prayer in our community. So we're going to find people that will pray every single day. We're going to walk the block where they go out on Sunday afternoons and during the week. 
I'm going to go out today between two and three just to kind of survey the area and say, these are the places that we have to walk. We're going to pray and we're going to take back every area that the enemy has felt as though he could take. We've got to walk with this confidence right now because there's too much fear within the heart of the believers to watch their communities to go to hell in a handbasket while we sit back in our pews and our homes while people are literally dying. We're going to work this out. It means that we have to be physically present within our communities so we can meet the needs of the people who are around us because guess what? They're physically in places where there is pervasive violence and they need to see us. They need to talk with us. They need to see what's going on. We're not just going to be committed to doing a community event or a community march, but we're going to be active in all of, situ all of the situations in which we can be. Maybe that's when we volunteer the after school program where we give our time to stuff that's happening at Risen or PAC. It means that the church has got to be active more so than where we are. But consistency is the key. A couple of weeks ago, I challenged our congregation by saying that we have to be consistent, we have to be connected, and we have to be committed. And it means that the small things that we do are really going to show how we can have a big impact in our communities. So I'm encouraging all of our people, stay connected to the church. We're in the midst of COVID. We still have services here. You can watch online. Be connected to our small groups. We're going to be starting those up next week. Me and Lauren are going to be doing those small groups. So we're going to find a time in the middle of the week. Be connected to undefeated. Be connected to praying. Be connected to the individual studies that we have because that's when you're going to see the greatest change. A friend of mine said that you cannot hide devotion. And I believe that we have to continue to be devoted within our communities to see this work happen. So we've got to have a plan. We also have to realize that God wants us to continue to grow our church. And he intended Christ to come and to not have fans, but to be a followers. But that means myself as a pastor, I've got to do a better job and step up and equipping everyone. So my commitment is to saying in the community, we're going to equip people to go out. In our church, we're going to continue to equip people to go out. But it means that we have to be connected and committed to what we are doing right now. So we've got to look at where we are. We've got to look at how we grow this place in our community. But it starts with knowing that we were never meant to just go to church and to sit in a pew and to just be a member. We were called to be disciples, to saturate, to be saturated by the teachings of Jesus Christ and the presence of God and to take the message of the gospel and the kingdom of God and the presence of God to the people of our city and our states and our nations. We are meant to be a light to those who were in the most dark places. The problem is, like I mentioned before, we have gotten complacent with just dwelling in the presence and the comfort on Sunday mornings. And we have forgotten the great commission of God to go out and to make disciples. The church cannot continue to grow inwardly while pervasive darkness is in our cities and takes over the outside walls of the church. And we must get out of our pews to seek and to go and to shine a light to those who were in darkness. So I ask the question, why doesn't the church make disciples? That's the biggest issue I have. I, I tell people all the time, I say, I love our state convention. I love what we do. But I said, I remember when I went for my assessment, it was more about building your church than to making disciples. And I said this before, I said, I don't want us just to have full packed houses. I want to make disciples. But guess what? Making disciples is hard. I've spoken to people, I said, how do I in the midst of a place where I have pervasive gun violence, I have issues with drug abuse, all this stuff, how do I make disciples in my church? How, how do I grow my church where people may not even want to come? But it's the, it's the understanding that Jesus has given us the model of how we are to do so. In Luke 9, 28 and 35, I believe it speaks to the condition of the church where we are right now. And I'm just going to preface this. I'll read a little bit of it. It just talks about how Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. Many of us, we may know this story. It talks about how Jesus, he has his 12 disciples, and then he has his small group of disciples. This isn't even our key verse, but you guys can go to it if you want. And what happens is, is that they experience the glory of God. They experience the presence of God, and they want to build tents and tabernacles around that moment that they have so that they never forget the presence of God in that moment. 
And Peter, no different than anybody else in that moment, he, he's kind of gung-ho, he gets kind of excited. He goes forward and he says, Jesus, teacher, teacher, he says, why don't we build a tent for you? Why don't we build a tent for Moses? And why don't we build a tent for Elijah, the other two presences that were there with them? And in that moment, the presence of God comes down as a cloud of glory and engulfs them in that situation. And as they walk into it, God speaks to them. And he says to them in this moment in time, in verses 34, as Peter was saying these things, a cloud came down and down and overshadowed them, and they were afraid. As they entered into the cloud, and a, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And in verse 36, and it says, and when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and they told nobody in those days, Anything of what they had seen is a key part in there is that the presence of God came down and met them where they were. And the wisdom and the advice that God gave them was this. He said, this is my son, my chosen son that I have given unto you. And he says, listen to him. So that beckons that believers, we are to listen to what God has done through Jesus Christ and his teachings and that we are to work forward to making disciples in our kingdom and our community. So jumping back to Luke chapter 9 and verses 1 through 10, Jesus Christ gives us the model of discipleship. He gives us an understanding as to how we are to work in our communities and how we are to live and to build the kingdom of God for everyone else around us. So he gives this basic model. I'm going to read through the scripture and then we're going to break this down because Jesus gives us six specific points as to how we are to work and to model discipleship in our communities. In Luke 9 and 1, it says this, and he had called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you stay in, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and they went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Verse 7. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all the things that were happening, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one, that one of the prophets of old had been risen. And Herod said, John I had beheaded, but who is this, but who is that this that, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see them. And in verse 10, he finishes off and he says, and on their return, the apostles had told them, had told him all that they had done. And he took them and he withdrew apart from the town of Bethsaida. In this, Jesus gives us six specific points as to how he showed his disciples how to live their life out and to grow the church. He sent them out into their communities. He empowered them with the word of God and the kingdom of God and the message. And he told them not to rely on any worldly devices to be able to support them. But he wanted them to trust unto God. And then he held them accountable to come back and report back. We're going to use this as a model of our discipleship. These six basic points as we're going to break these down for you all. In verses 1 that we see here, it says that Jesus called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He called them together and he gave them an authority as they were to go out and to work in their communities. Many a times what happens in discipleship is that the church or the pastor or the minister, when we give a message or we give instruction, it has to be able to make sure it models up with what God has given us to do and how it relates to the great commission of God. Church, we don't do the work of actually bringing together our church members and giving them the power to go out and to teach and to reach people. The church has many times gotten perfectly fine with members just sitting in pews and being there. And that's okay because many a times people in the church and pastors, they become intimidated by anybody else who may know a word of God and can teach a word of God and can preach a word of God because they feel as though it'll take away from their own power and authority. 
I've said this prayer before. I'm at the point where I say I want to raise up disciples who are brand new people, but I also want to find people who are part of the big church, the big C church, who were sitting in their pews, who feel as though they have a call of God. I want to be able to bring those people into our church, reach them and equip them and empower them to go out to be able to reach the lost. Pastors have got to get over the intimidation factor that there may be somebody who can go out and do the work in their community. We've got to have an attitude like John the Baptist as he sees Jesus doing the work in his community. He stops and he says, I must decrease so he can increase. What happens when as a pastor, we start to look at our members in that same way to say, I'm willing to send my members out. I'm willing to give them the tools and the power to go out and to preach and to teach the gospel. Because God knew and Jesus knew that this model wasn't going to be that he was going to teach and everyone is going to come and listen to him. He knew for the gospel to have a long term effect and he had to invest in those people, his disciples, so that they can do the spreading of the gospel. Later on, what we're going to see here in the next chapter is that it starts off in verse 12 in verse 10. It goes from verse in chapter nine. He says he sent out the twelve. And then in one chapter over, we see it goes to 72. You went from 12 to 72 because Jesus was willing to take the time to live with his disciples, to invest in his disciples and to empower them to go out and do work in the kingdom of God. Church pastors specifically, if your members are in a place where they they have a gifting and ability and they have a power, why do we hinder them? Why don't we allow them to go out in our communities with the right equipping and teaching to allow them to help? Because at this point, it can't be a, a Michael Farmer, or just a Pastor Watts or a Reverend Hill. It's got to be all of us in the kingdom of God to see our community changes around them. So Jesus, he goes out and he equips and he gives all power and authority to them. And we see it continued in verses, part of one in verse two. He also, he sets the task forth. And he gives them the task specifically in this moment in time to cast out demons, to heal and to preach the gospel. Jesus Christ is giving the second point of his discipleship plan. He's saying, I'm going to give a specific task that is at hand. As we grow with Risen City, we're going to have a breakdown of this. It'll be in your next emailer as to what our, our model of discipleship is going to look like. We're going to have specific tasks in which we are going to do as a church. As we send out our people, we want those who are in college ministry. We want to equip. We want to empower. We want to embrace that ministry. And we want to help you guys in every way possible. No different than what we do with FCA. We want to embrace. We want to equip. And we want to give tasks that can help grow these ministries together. As we're walking around the west side of Charleston, we're going to have specific tasks that God has given us through prayer. So we can have wisdom as we go about into our communities. One of the most important verses in the Bible that we kind of overlook all the time. It talks about in Matthew 7, it talks about how Jesus says, don't cast your pearls to the swine. And he's talking about going to God and asking for wisdom. Don't just cast just out to people without having a plan, because it literally said that the enemy will eat you alive when you go out without a plan. Many people, when we say we're going to go out and evangelize, we're going to reach people. They don't have a real model or a plan and they get eaten up by the world around them. We're going to prayerfully have a plan and we're going to give specific tasks. And we ask that those who are part of this, that we work along with those tasks. The specific task that Jesus Christ gave in this moment in time was saying to cast out demons and to heal the sick. He's saying that you're going to preach the gospel. It had to be a balance of spiritually speaking to people for what needed to happen. Meeting their spiritual need, but also saying that I'm physically going to take away the ailments and the things that are going on in your communities right now. I think about myself sometimes and I may be afraid to walk my block. Days out here, could you imagine if you were a disciple and you're Peter or you're Andrew or you're Mark or something like that? And they're like, hey, Jesus is like, I want you to go cast out demons. You want me to go do what now, Jesus? You want me to go cast out a what? A demon? Some of y'all watch scary movies and y'all are afraid to go to sleep with the lights off. Because y'all afraid of demons and such. But think about the demons and stuff that are in our cities that live within the people who have pervasive sin in their lives. It's simply by you taking the light to their situation that we can help them. He said to preach the gospel and to heal the hearts of many, those who are in need. 
I believe that God has a working for his individuals as we go out and do these tasks. He wants to bring about a spiritual awakening, but also God wants us to take care of the physical needs that we have in the community. We've been blessed here at Risen City. Y'all can't see the stuff that's around us. Our, our, our sanctuary literally has hundreds of backpacks and kids' toys and items that have been gifted and donated to us because we want to give and we want to provide for the community. And God is going to help us to do so. Third, we see here is that Jesus controlled the message and the proclamation of the kingdom of God. And he empowered people with that message of God. Jesus still controls the message today. How can you go out and preach and proclaim the gospel if you don't know the gospel? I had a kid one time. This is an embarrassing moment. I was busy and we were doing Undefeated. And, I, and we have like a Lifeway thing that we do for our, um, when, our Tuesday night Undefeated. And I didn't even watch the Lifeway thing. It was just a busy week. And I'm sitting there trying to teach about the teaching to some of our kids. And one of my kids looks at me and goes, do you even know what you're teaching about as a pastor? You know how bad that hurt? Because I didn't know what I was teaching about. I'm trying to an Undefeated thing and I can just wing through this in this moment in time. No different than us. How can we go out and preach and teach the gospel to someone if we do not know the gospel of Jesus Christ? This is a part where we have to individually and corporately continue to meet and to gather so we can hear the words, the wisdom and the words of God. And so that we can also understand how do we then equip ourselves individually? That's why we have our New Testament reading plans. That's why we're going to do our D groups, because we know that we have to be equipped to know what the message of God is. Because guess what? There are many people who will go out there and they'll proclaim the message of God, and it's not of God at all. It's the false prophets and the false disciples, and they want to mislead people away, and it does more of a detriment to the kingdom of God. Our hope has got to be found in Jesus Christ alone, and we've got to reach and teach those Number four, this is very important for us, is that he delimited the provisions for the mission. He delimited the provisions for the mission. This wasn't a pleasure trip. This wasn't you're going to go to Haiti with your cell phone service and you're going to be out here taking photos and sending stuff home. Or you're going to be going to Czechoslovakia and you're going to be out here drinking tea and hanging out with people. This was not a pleasure trip as it is. And most American missionaries is what we focus on today. You come back and you say, oh, that was awesome. I got to dig a well. And you were like, I got to stay in my hotel. This was not what the missionaries were doing. This is not what the disciples were doing in this moment in time. They were on a working journey and they had to travel light. Jesus was saying in this moment in time, as we see in verse three, he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. If you, it says, do not even take two tunics. I'm like, Jesus, I can't take two jackets. What if it's cold outside? But they imagine the disciples are in this moment in time. They're listening to what God has said. They're listening to the message of Jesus Christ because they have an intimate relationship and they trust what he wants them to do. He's saying, hey, listen, no different than what I said on a Friday. My first thoughts were when the shooting happened, I immediately went to try to find a fix from what the city could do when I didn't even stop and trust into what God wanted me to do. Can I trust and believe that God is providential in all of my moments and my times and my situations? He's saying here, you're going to go out and you're going to feel as though you are ill-equipped. But when we pray, when we ask God for what are the provisions that we need, we're going to be fine. And I'll be very honest with you guys right now. We have all that we need within our community and within our church right now. Risen City, we are very blessed. We are very profitable in what we have and stuff like that. We're not profitable. I ain't going to say that right now. I'm going to take that back. Y'all can send an offering and a tithe right now. We got heating bills to pay. But we are very, in my mindset, well to where we need to do in the American church also to go out and to reach people. And I feel as though we get caught up in what we don't have as opposed to looking at what God has blessed us with. Do you have a Bible? Do you have two feet? Do you have the working word and the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Because in this moment, culturally, he's saying, hey, you have got to be able to trust the people that you're going to encounter to help take care of you. As it leads in to the fifth item that was on here. He instructed them on their procedures of the mission. He said, A, that you are not to seek your own comfort or to be concerned about um, being on a popularity trip. They weren't there to play favorites. And in the context of this, he's saying that 
in verse 4, he says, whatever house that you enter into, stay there. And from there, depart. He's telling the disciples, he's saying, hey, listen, you're going to have opportunities as you go out and you start to preach and you start to teach and you start to reach people. You're going to have somebody that's going to be hospitable for you to stay in their house. And as you may heal somebody or heal someone's son or heal someone's daughter, and they start to look at the fact that you're casting out demons, you know what's going to happen? Hey, Pastor Farmer, why don't you come to my house real quick? I got the mansion up on the hill. It's a little bit more comfortable. It's a little bit more nice for you. It's a little bit more adequate for what you're going to need. And he's reminding them, he's saying, hey, listen, you're on mission. You're not here to play favorites with the gospel because every single person within your community around you is, learned, is privy to Christ-like love. And he's saying to them, don't just hop around. He's saying, no, stay committed to the place in which I have asked you to go and be connected in that moment in time. Hey, that's the issue with the church is that we're not here for the long haul. I had a call this week and I was just talking about what was going on. I think I put a little bit of fear in someone's heart that I was going to leave the area and the ministry. And I'm like, I ain't going nowhere. I, maybe I need to talk about what's going on right now, but I'm not going anywhere. It can be very easy to when we start to preach and we start to teach and we start to do active work in the community. And then these bigger people start to look at us and other churches and stuff. You know what happens is say, why don't you come here real quick and start administering the gospel? If God has called you to do so, do that. Please go forth and to do so. But he's saying here in this moment in time, he's saying, stay connected to the mission of God and stay where I have placed you until I have released you to go somewhere else. In the moment in time, the disciples are probably going to have a lot of notoriety, a lot of fame and a lot of fans who are following after them. But he's saying, no, stay here and be connected in this place in this moment in time. It's not a popularity contest. Because we can easily start to play favorites with the gospel if we don't learn to stay connected to the areas in which we are in. And lastly, he said this. He stopped and he told the disciples in verse 5. He told them in this, he says, wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. What this means is he's saying that we're not going to stop and we're not going to debate the message of Jesus Christ. There's going to be times when we may have some apologetic, apologetics where we have to defend our faith. I believe it's going to be very prevalent in the world around us. So that's why it's important for us to know what the word of God says and how we can defend our faith. But we're not going to debate it to a point where we break and we break down and cast out bad and we make bad relationships with people. What this is, is for us is that it says that the message is what the message is. Jesus Christ he came to this earth, he lived and he died and he was the sacrifice for our sins. His blood was the holy atonement for all people to come back into right relationship and right standing with God. And he gives us and he offers salvation to all people, regardless of the race, creed, color, culture, gender, ethnicity. He says that I can speak to you an identity that you had in the Garden of Eden. And in this moment in time, my salvation is stronger than anything that you may face in life. If you choose to receive it as it is, we don't change the gospel. We don't change the message of what it is. We do not hinder people in these moments and times by receiving the gospel, but we're going to teach it for what it is. And he's reminding them, he says, hey, listen, we don't go out. We don't seek out petty revenge on people for what they may do to us. You shake your feet and you keep on moving. Don't cast your pearls to the swine, but we're going to prayerfully say, God, how do we affect the community around us? But the beautiful part about that is, is that we don't limit our resources that God has given us in the physical to take care of those who may even hate us. I've been reading a lot about loving thy enemies. I went back to Matthew about that. It talks about how you were supposed to love our enemies and love those who, who speak against you and stuff like that. And, and John we're supposed to love our brothers and sisters. We're supposed to love those who may hate against us. We're not to let ourselves be abused, but we're still to go out to reach and to preach those who may be far away from God. I believe wholeheartedly within our community, there are people who are desperately seeking for the church to stand up and to give a right understanding and a biblical teaching as to how we are to see our communities changed around them. We're going to end this off with, it talks about in verse seven, Herod 
is perplexed by Jesus. Herod, who is the tetrarch, most people like most Bibles, they say he's he's a king or he's a governor over the area. He's a governor over this providence in Judea and such like that. The mission that the disciples were had was that they were to go out and they were to blanket Judea with the message of Jesus Christ and God. That's all that they were to go out and to do. And he gave these very simple six points and tasks as to how they were to do it with the mission of blanketing Judea with the message of Jesus Christ and the salvation that he brings. Healing, casting out demons, and bringing people to a spiritual awareness. And as this is going on, Herod is like, what the heck is going on? And he makes the quote, he says, I killed John the Baptist. I, I, I beheaded John. There are people that are saying is this, that there's a, um, a prophet of old has been raised up. Who, who is this Jesus Christ? Who are these disciples in their community? For better or for worse, it brought about a moment in time that when the disciples started to go out of their community, when they got out of their comfort zone, when they went to go reach the needs of the community, the people and the governments around them started to take notice of what was going on. I believe wholeheartedly and I tell people I'm in a very weird place in my life where I never thought that I would be having meetings with people that I have on a week to week basis about situations and things around our city. But I'm thankful that God has opened up that door to do so, because when you invite me into the moment and the time and the situation, you're inviting the gospel of Jesus Christ in that moment and time and the situation. So what happens when the community around us starts to say there's something different at Risen City? What's going on over there? Why are they reaching? They're feeding people. They're taking care of kids and after school. They're walking the block. They're praying for people. I'm seeing people get healed. I'm seeing people who have drug abuse being overtaken on their lives. I'm seeing people who have issues in their heart. That person was a drug addict. That person was addicted to this. That person was on the block picking the prostitutes. Now he's at the church. What's going on? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we are able to send our people out into the community, physically going out and taking care of the needs of those, we're going to see that there's going to be attention brought forth to the work. And ultimately, it's not to bring attention to what Michael Farmer is doing. Ultimately, it's not to bring attention to what Risen City is doing. It's to bring attention to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, who ultimately has the power to bring about change within our communities. I pray as we move forward in this campaign, and I pray that as we move forward into a church, that our membership, we stay connected, we stay committed, and we stay consistent to the cause in the midst of the dangers that we may face in our city. But I have an affirmation that if God is for me, no one else can be against me. We won't allow fear of what may happen to us overtake our mindsets. We're going to walk with wisdom, but we've got to be out in our community to actually meet the needs of those who are in need. I can't keep getting messages about people, friends of mine who overdosed or died or something like that because I didn't take the time to reach them on an individual basis with the gospel. I believe God is really calling us right now as the church back to what biblical discipleship looks like. I don't want fans. I don't want pew sitters. I want people who want to be active in the community to see things change. Why? Because my kids deserve better and our community deserves better. And they are desperately seeking out and they want the kingdom of God. And we can be the people to bring that forth. Amen. Amen. I ask that we take an intentional time today to pray from two to three o'clock. If you got time to send that time sometime to that pray today, I'm gonna go out. I'm just gonna canvas the area. We'll walk around and see where we can go and how we can get our churches connected to um, intentionally go and to pray and to teach and to preach as we go out. We're going to look at some days during the week when we can go out and we can reach and teach people. The goal for me is that we have a group of people or a church every single day of the week that's out in the community actually reaching and talking to people about what's going on. Because you know what's going to start happening? Like, look, I saw them people last week and I saw them again this week. I saw them again this week and they're just talking about Jesus. Maybe there's something to this Jesus. Maybe God has been working in my heart individually and God is using this person now to bring about a change in my life and pointing me to Jesus Christ. And he's calling me to a fellowship, 
Too many times, I say this all the time, the church is being dictated by the culture and the community. What happens when the church starts to dictate what's going on in the culture around us in the community? I believe then we can see a positive and effective change. God has opened the door for us here to do so through Risen City, to work with our city, and I pray that we can continue to do so. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I don't even know what time it is. I was probably really long-winded and stuff like that. But I feel as though it's a message that we needed today as we go forward as a church, as we go forward as a community. We're going to be prayerful and we're going to saturate the community with his presence as we go forth. We're going to sing our doxology and then we will be dismissed out of here. Um, please drop an email. I'll put it out there also to say if you want to be a part of our email list that we're going to have for Risen City and the CJC for this initiative that we have. I pray that you all drop an email so we can be connected with you guys. If you do not have a home church, if you feel as though God is calling and tugging on your heart and your spirit right now to be connected to something bigger than just saying I attend church on a Sunday, but being a part of a community that wants to be active and actually work with people and change. I don't care where you are. That's what we do here at Risen City. We want to see the lost come to Christ. And I pray that if you don't know Jesus Christ right now, you can make a confession of faith. Too many people carry these burdens. They carry stresses. They carry anxieties. They carry fears. And Jesus Christ is here with us. He tells us right now. He tells us in the Bible. He says, lay down your burden. Lay down your yoke. Lay it down so I can take it. And he's asking that right now to the community that you're, you're facing situations that you were never meant to face by yourself and alone. And Jesus Christ is willing and ready to do so. Once we just pray for him to enter into our heart as we make a confession of faith. And he's willing to come into our moment in time and situation. If that's a prayer and you want to know more about salvation, I ask that you inbox me personally or you shoot a message to our Risen City page. We want to help you to understand what biblical salvation looks like, and we want to welcome you to into our family and in the fold of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to sing our doxology, and then we will be dismissed out of here for the day. So, and a one, and a two, and a three. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Grace and peace be to everyone. God bless you guys. Stay connected with us. We'll see you all next week. Yeah, my hand up.